This will um, conclude our Pursuing God in Worship sermon series. I've um, been excited about the opportunity to, um, to think about and look at um, our acts of worship and, and really with new eyes. Um, and communion is one of those things that I think we challenge ourselves with weekly to, um, to, to make sure we're intentional about the purpose of, of why we're doing what we're doing and how we're doing what we're doing. Um, we know communion well, and we've um, many of us have been taking communion or, or seen it um, administered for a number of years in our lives. But, um, but the opportunity this morning to respond in communion is, is kind of a challenging one. It's, it takes, um, takes a chance for us to look outside the box a little bit. Um, Elijah, uh, I was able to watch your sermon online. I appreciate um, you filling in last week and talking about giving, not just filling in. He relished the opportunity, looked forward to that. Um, this young man is not only prepared for those challenges, but um, has proven himself already um, in a short summer so far to be um, capable of those things. I'm excited about next week is our VBS kickoff, Sound the Alarm. And we'll have a sermon um, getting us excited about um, of sounding the alarm and being on the lookout for things that, um, that maybe we should be alarmed about or things that we can be um, involved in and working through. Um, I also want to make um, one announcement that I missed earlier, and Fred reminded me adamantly. There are birthday cards on the Welcome Center. If you have a birthday in July, you better pick those up. <laughs> um, this is our Independence Day, and found freedom in Christ, we get um, dependence from God. And how do we respond to that? Communion is a big part of being dependent, dependent upon God. Communing and, and, and connecting to God is a way in which pursuing God makes sense. Because a God that's not worth pursuing, then why would we come to worship? If there's a God that's not greater than ourselves, then why would we need to be here um, talking about it? If we are our own God or our gods that we worship in our lives, and many people struggle with what God they follow um, is, is already dead or has served its purpose and is not eternal, then what good is it anyways? We're pursuing a God that lifts us out of the depths. We're pursuing a God that gives us a reason to sing, an opportunity to communicate through prayer, a chance to give. A reason to proclaim and a responsibility to do so, and this morning a chance to commune. Pursuing God and communion. And of course, we understand communion well. Steve, you did a wonderful job of taking us to the cross and thinking about the bread and the wine. We probably um, can even re remember times where we've had communion that's been special, right? Um, maybe that's not the portable communion where the, the bread leaves you wanting. Maybe it's that homemade communion we had during the, the, during the COVID quarantine where it was a little flakier and maybe a little more butter than you'd normally put in um, than a regular everyday communion. For me, it's Carla Cordoba, um, Porphy's wife's communion in the DR. It's got a little bit of texture to it, a little bit of bite to it, um, just really nice flaky wonderful tasting bread, and it's not supposed to taste, I'm not supposed to be focused on that, but it is good, right? I remember in the DR, she made um, loaves or small um, portions for each of us, and we sat in a triangulated sort of um, table setting, and all those who were partaking of the communion ate together. As the, as the sermon was preached, as the, as the scriptures were read, as we sang, we had um, juice in a cup, and have juice, personal juice in a cup there in the Dominican was quite a feat, to be able to find that much grape juice. And the kids sat amongst us, and we just ate together. And we had communion together. 
Um, I remember a time um, at um, Lord Beth's Father's Church where communion was not only the bread, but it was real wine. It was real wine by surprise. We weren't prepared. Um, I took mine, and I knew something was up, and I watched Lord Beth, and she took hers, and I laughed because um, it, uh, it, it was a shock to the senses, right? We've experienced communion in a number of different ways. Uh, communion has a, a couple of different definitions. It's a service in Christian worship where bread and wine are presented and shared. We understand that clearly. We participate in that weekly. Um, a number of churches may not do that as often. Um, a number of congregations or different denominations will take um, communion in a different way. But, but in, a, in a loose sense, it can be lumped into that category. Um, Steve, you did a good enough job reminding us of the importance of communion and taking us there this morning that we're not going to take too much time to talk about that again. But we are going to talk about the participation in a mental or emotional experience together, sharing intimate thoughts and feelings, communion with God in a way that's personal and relatable. And it's something more than just quickly taking the bread and the wine and moving on in worship, but it's a place we stay and a place we remain, a place we respond in because without that focus and without that intention of communion with God, it can just become bread, it can just become juice, and it can just become a box that we check. This morning, that's the challenge. That's the challenge. If we're going to pursue God in communion, it's not just mentally preparing ourselves for worship in all aspects and all areas, but it is daily being in his presence, in his word, through prayer, through our worship and song, all these areas that we've talked about in our giving and our service are not just reserved for this place this morning. And if we're only doing it here, we may not be fulfilling the true intention of what Christian worship is about. See, Jesus understands that communion gives us time, opportunity, overflow, and fulfillment this morning. Jesus needs time with God. Jesus understood the opportunities that would come through being empowered by God. The overflow into, into all people and all mankind because of God and that eternal fulfillment of things greater than what the world can give us through God. Communion gives us all these things, time to be tested and comforted. We don't always come to God in communion and it's not always a happy place. We may not even be well adjusted enough to be able to, um, to be prepared. We may even be in that 1 Corinthians verse where we're, con- we're considering um, our mindset um, where it says in 27, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the cup and drink the bread. Or, excuse me, they eat of the bread and drink the cup. We, we, um, we are hard on ourselves at times, and the responsibility and the weight of that responsibility of coming into communion with God. I've seen other cultures even refuse to participate because their weak had not led them in a path to where they could feel worthy of communing with God. And I, and I like that idea and example because it reminds me that we should take communion seriously, but not just here on Sunday. Communion is a serious responsibility for our lives, daily walking with God. In John chapter 6, 
We see a very a miraculous opportunity. We see Jesus um, connecting with people for the first time. Some are trying to, um, to, uh, to find out what this is all about, this Jesus experience. And others who are following him closely are trying to grow and learn of what being a follower is. So sometime after Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd of people had followed him because they saw signs he had performed in the healing the sick. Jesus had this responsibility, didn't he? The great crowds following him. The great crowds following him and wanting to see what he was going to do next. Maybe, maybe some of our younger folks, you've seen that meme where the, the, the little character has a stick and he pokes it and he's like, do something, right? The crowd is just there with the stick like, come on, Jesus, do another sign. Show me something wonderful. I'm here for the show. And sometimes that's us, church. We're here this morning. Maybe we don't know we're not here for the right reasons, but we're here for healing, or we're here for some blessing, or we're here for someone to tell us what we need to do and get us on the right path. We're here for someone to do it for us, but we may not be here to worship in communion with God personally ourselves. And so before you take the communion, maybe we should have let in with this. That should be our mindset. Not God, what are you going to do for me today, but, but God, how can I be more dependent and more enslaved in relationship with you? So that I just don't follow you and your son and the, and the stories in the word and all these great things to see what happens next. But see what you can do through me. So Jesus goes up to the mountainside to his disciples. He sees the great crowd coming and we see Philip. And I love Philip. I'm, I'm, a, I'm part Philip and part um, Andrew in this scenario. He, he says, where are we going to get enough bread to feed these people? Where are we going to get enough bread to feed these people? Um, there are some of us who are very um, um, very focused on the details, right? And maybe, maybe faith isn't an issue, but we, but we still want to know how things are going to work out, right? We know that feeding this, this amount of people would take a, lot of, take a lot of money. And so what are we going to do to feed these people? Jesus takes this opportunity of communion, of being in fellowship with Philip to say, let me test you with something. Philip answered, it would take more, excuse me, it would take more than a, a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each to have even a bite. And then Andrew, Simon's brother, spoke up and said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. But, that, um, but how far will they go amongst so many? I like Andrew is at least, he's an optimist in this scenario. Well, there's some food. You know, Philip may not have anything, and there's probably no way we're going to be able to purchase it, but at least there's something. Let's see how far this will go. A half a year's wage is just for a bite. We, we can get caught in the details at times in our faith to think, how is it going to be possible that Jesus or God is going to respond to the needs of our community and our church where people will even get a bite, right? And we limit God to what the details are, or what the conversion rates are, or what the availability of supply and demand is in our culture, and we say, COVID has really um, depleted the shelves in our, in our stores, there's, there's barely enough bread to feed our families in our community, and there's not enough toilet paper ever, right? We've been afraid of what happens when things start to, um, to get out of our control. 
And Jesus is going to teach them this lesson. He tests them by teaching them this lesson. Communion. Communion doesn't always cast out doubt, church. But communion does remind you of the power of God. You may still doubt or have, have those details or those fears or those things in your mind to say, how is this even possible? If I do the math, I know what it looks like. There's no way this is going to happen. And Jesus says, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in the place where they sat down. And it says about 5,000 men were there. And Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. Communion with Christ, faith in God, relationship with, with God gives us opportunity to see his power. Where we doubt or where we can't do the math ourselves to figure out how it's even possible, Jesus says, just sit down. Let me show you something. He knows the crowds are following because he's done stuff like this before. And not everyone who's even following is there for the right reasons. But he still takes the opportunity to say, sit down and let me show you what this is all about. At this point, church, it, it should be reminding us that communion is just a little more important than bread and wine. It's a little more important than the taste and the texture and even the experience. It is much more about what God is going to do with the opportunities that we give him. And communion gives us that opportunity. When they had enough to eat, they gathered all the pieces that were left over so nothing was wasted. They filled 12 baskets in the, with the pieces of, of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Jesus shows us the communion with him. Communion with God gives us more than we can even handle. A half a year's wages just for people to get a bite? And Jesus says, sit down, let me show you something, and you're going to have more than you can even take home. Your baskets are going to be full. Your neighbors are going to be fed. The overflow that comes from this is what church is all about. And that little styrofoam cracker that we choked down this morning, and that room temperature juice that we've gotten so accustomed to, that may leave us wanting for what tastes better or what experience we, we wish we had, represents more than we can handle. It is not about coming here this morning and that being some magic solution to what our faith needs. That solution has already come, already gone, and lives within us, church. God gave us all the solutions from the beginning. We abused, we misused, and we took advantage of those. And then he gave us his son, and we did the same. We used, abused, and mismanaged Jesus Christ and his life. People followed him around, and maybe that's us, looking for a miracle, poking him with a stick. Do something fun, Jesus. And then when he didn't do what we wanted, we crucified him, thinking we had a better way. And we weren't there. But if you were there, could you say you'd be in a different disposition? Can you say you wouldn't be one of the ones yelling, crucify him? Are you that bold to say that you wouldn't have doubted? Even those closest to him struggle with those things. But Jesus still knew we needed something more than we could handle. And faith in God is just that. Communion with God is just that. So as he sees the sign, or as people see the signs, they began to say, surely the, the prophet who has come into the world, Jesus, knowing he had intended to they were going to intend to make him king by force. 
And then he withdrew to the mountainside himself. I love these moments with Christ. Because he shows you that communion is a place for God to refill. And even through Jesus Christ himself, he needs a relationship, an emotional connection, communication with God, in communion with him as a place to refill. Because even Jesus gets worn down by people. Even Jesus gets worn down by the reality of his life. Even Jesus weeps for the lost and those who have died. Even Jesus is desperate for another way in the garden. And he communes with God so God can give him what he needs, more than he needs to bear the burdens of the entire world. In fact, on the cross, the most agonizing period of time for Christ wasn't necessarily the pain endured through the nails or the hanging or all those things. It was being separated from God because of our sin. It was not being in communion, in relationship in that period of time because our sin was upon him. And God has no place for sin except through Jesus Christ. Communion is a place for Christ to refill. He sets a great example of being in relationship to God. See, at times we run to, run to Jesus or run to church because we want to see something amazing. And when the amazing stuff starts happening and people start drawing attention to all these wonderful, amazing miracles and all these um, worldly things that are just unbelievable, Jesus shows his focus is still on God. He tries his best to take the attention away from himself. The timing of his, of his ministry and his message was just that too. It is not the time for this. Performing that first miracle and turning water and the wine set into motion something that I don't know if he was comfortable with even at the beginning. Showing that power. And, and showing equality to God, something to be grasped. But he, he became comfortable with that. He owned it. He spoke of it. And he knew that's what would eventually hang him on a cross. We have to become more comfortable with allowing God to be part of us as well, church. We think of, of the cross and we, we think of the scenes that take us back to the cross. And, and I think some of the times, while we, maybe, maybe we feel a little guilty about um, remembering communion only on Sundays, is because we're not carrying the cross with us on Mondays. And in the shadow of the cross, this is something that we need to just see Jesus on, but it should be something that we are connected to because we are called to bear our cross and walk with Christ in our journey. And the cross that we carry gives us a reminder of the sacrifice it takes to be faithful and not one that Jesus was, Im was immune to or got to, um, got to live without. Jesus needed to be refilled in communion with God. So then he says to the crowd, very, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man gives you. Crowd, don't get distracted by the food, by the bread, and by the wine as something that's going to solve your problems. But remember the Christ who solves your problems. It's not about the taste and the texture or the experience. 
It's about the one who sacrificed, who's represented in that bread and in that wine. And it's not just that communion experience on Sundays that does it for us. It's being in communion daily with Christ. He speaks of something that is more than just what your mind can comprehend or what your stomach can be filled by. Because the physical world fools us and tells us that the things that we desire and the things that we want, those are the things that will make us happy. And Jesus, in a number of occasions, speaks to the contrary. And his entire ministry was about turning upside down what Christian people had made of church. A box to be checked, a rule to follow, a meal to eat, and being good enough. And Jesus said, it's more than that. It's more than the food you eat. It's the reason why you eat it. It's the manner in which you eat it. It's more than the acts you do. It's the heart behind it. It's not just showing love to people that love you, but loving your enemies as well. It's the easy things and the hard things together because it's daily communion with God. Because the things that God desires don't spoil. And if we're making, it, making some kind of connection to church through what the world or what we understand in the world, we're doing it the wrong way. Our church experience, yes, is a reminder in, in a simple way in which we've, we've, um, we've, we've scheduled and we've prepared what worship can be. But worship is so much more than what happens here in this building on Sundays. And I don't want to be sacrilegious and I don't want to downplay the importance of worship and preparation and worship and your, your, your responsibility and communion and all those things. But if you just see that as something to do here in this building today, then you're working for food that spoils. Because the relationship with the Holy Spirit and your active service and worship to the Lord is daily being on that altar and giving yourself as a sacrifice. What, what must we do? What works does God require? It's not about works this morning, church. It's about belief. And not just belief in a general sense. And about belief in something greater. About belief in God's plan. About belief in Jesus' example. About belief in the work and the spirit amongst us. And about belief in something that we can do together in communion with God. Church fellowship is a special thing because it not only gives us a chance to be around people that we know and trust, and we're on the same page but together we can do so much more. We are stronger together. We've been reminded of that in the past. And belief in that allows us to see the work that God can do, not just in the acts of worship or our service or even our giving, but in things that are greater. Communion directs us to the work God has done instead of what we can do ourselves. And have we forgotten God fed the Israelites manna from above. God gave his people what they needed throughout the history of man. And they lost focus. They rejected it. They looked the other way. They looked to their own desires. They tried to find more powerful reasons or, or, or opportunities. And God continually reminds man, I've got a better way, and you're missing the point. So maybe we understand it's not about the manna from heaven, and, and, but we still, we still at times look at communion in, in a twisted way. It is about God's work. 
and not what we're going to be able to do. Communion directs us to something so much greater than ourselves, to the work through Jesus Christ. It reminds us of the work continuing to happen in the Holy Spirit. It gives us a place to go with our faith. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Read that again as if you actually knew what hunger and thirst was like. Imagine if you were day two of choosing not to eat for yourself so you could feed your family in Haiti. Imagine if you were day three, day four of a scenario where because you're a refugee, you don't have access to the the wealth of food on, on store shelves and things like that, and you're just trying to survive. And you read a scripture that says, whoever... Whoever believes in me will never go hungry, never go thirsty. Well, then a reason to believe in Jesus hits home a lot easier. But we're happy. We're full. We may not even need to eat lunch today because our breakfast is so good. And we can make it till dinner without any hunger pains. That is not the reality of our world. And if communion is just about food, it's just about fulfillment of the things we think we need in the moment, That's not the reality of my faith. My faith tells me that communion with God is about filling the spirit, filling my soul with something deeper than food and water, with bread and wine. It's being in relationship with Jesus Christ and being enslaved by God when independence is given to me freely. It's something that I should shout about, something that I should set on fire and watch blow up in the sky. At the end of all the celebration, I should settle myself down to being enslaved by God, being nailed to the door as his servant, because that's where eternity is found. Communion will bring eternal blessings, fulfillment, like we mentioned in in one of the beginning slides, fulfillment that's not found in this earth. And it's hard to describe because we look to fulfillment and we look to describe it by what, what the world tells us makes sense we even try to sing about heaven with streets of gold and all these wonderful things that we can we can kind of understand through our human terms but it's so much greater than that communion with God will bring eternal blessings and our one simple truth this morning is communion with God gives life and changes lives it gives life and changes lives it's a message of the gospel that's worthy to worship. That it gives you a purpose and a reason to live. And it changes your mindset from yourself to God's life through you. To being enslaved to something deeper and greater than yourself. And it seems simple to us. We can narrow it down to these things this morning to say it gives life and it changes life. But most people in our world, they don't need life and they don't want their life to be changed. And when you speak so highly of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and you get excited about being here at church this morning, and then what you can do with this wonderful, new, miraculous gift that you've been given, most people don't want to, they don't want to or care to hear about this one simple truth. Because their life is themselves, and they they have no reason to change. 
All the more reason to be connected to people in the good times and the bad. All the more reason to not be surprised that hungry people come to the Lord a lot quicker than those who are filled. And then maybe, if we have the choice to be hungry in our lives, we should take it to draw us closer to God. Maybe that's why fasting is a spiritual gift, a one that's um, a spiritual discipline that's a gift to us that, that connects us to God. Maybe solitude and, 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 and time alone with God when we're such social people is something that we should go through even though it's tough at times. And maybe even a good reminder why social distance and all these things that we've had to endure over the past year are a good reminder that God has a plan, that we can respond to these circumstances with hope and love. Time with God brings eternal fulfillment, food and drink that will never run out, fulfillment that will never lose its flavor, blessings that will never get old or go out of style. So this morning, we sing, Here, Lord, I hide myself away. We hide ourselves away in God, in communion, in connection to something greater than ourselves. We willingly become slaves to something, something greater than ourselves, where slavery is a topic that no one should have to endure. But we choose We choose to see love in slavery. It's a taboo idea. It's a taboo idea because the world has misused slavery, misused this and abused these ideas of being connected to something greater than yourselves and being subject to someone who would be your Lord. Our world says no one should have to go through that. And in the church I say, how can you go through life without it? Because as good as you think you are and as good as we are together, we are not greater than our God who is good all the time. So remember, communion with God changes lives and it gives life. This morning, I'm asking you to give yourself away. Give yourself away to the idea of being connected to something greater than yourselves. Give yourself away to going deeper in worship, not just here on Sundays, but daily as you walk with God as a living sacrifice and give yourself away to carrying your cross as a reminder of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when others ask why you could be so happy in difficult times or why you could be so generous when when times are lean or how you could be so giving when you yourself may be hungry, you say, my Savior, my Lord did that for me. Read about it in his word. Look at it in the songs that I sing. Connect to it in a deeper way. As we close this morning, we'll have an opportunity once again to have the invitation, a chance to to come and express our belief. And that's what God wants from us, is it not? Not our works, but our belief. But because of our belief, our works, right? Our works don't give us salvation, but our faithful living through works allow us to respond to being saved. Living with God and finding life in God, it allows your works or your actions to show that you believe in something, that you're a part of something much greater than you could ever find yourself. We understand that this morning. 
We've understood that this whole entire sermon series. Worship is not a struggle for us. We do it well. We're planned and prepared. My, my, my fear, church, is that sometimes we do it too well. Sometimes we, we do it too well. We, we, we tear ourselves up when we make a mistake, when we trip up, when we fall short, when we feel like we're not good enough. And we say, how can I even commune with God today? And I say, look at that cross on your back and remind you of your shortcomings. And then how could you not commune with God? How can you walk this world alone? So if you have a need this morning publicly, you want to come and be a part of the church. You want to come and confess those sins, repent, turn away, become a Christian and be baptized in the healing waters, forgiveness for your sins, and the Holy Spirit be a part of your life, then wonderful. And if you've already done that and you've lost sight of how to respond to communion and being enslaved by God, our elders are in the back wanting to pray and to talk with you and to look how we can get back on track. Because it takes, it takes daily focus and communion for communion with God to work.